welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. I keep thinking about the last episode when Eric said that for the longest time he thought our slogan was to beat annoying teens at pub quiz. (laughs) And that's just, now that's what, that's canon now. That's who we are. We're beating annoying teens. And now that's my the main thrust of my life. So we're beating annoying teens. Run it up. Run it up. Just run it up. Run it up the flagpole. <laughs> that's another thing I'm going to start using. Um, so, so everyone, uh, yeah. Welcome to Guest Timber. We find, we're three episodes in and we finally came up with a song. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I forgot you texted me about yeah. that. Ready? Uh, Let's <laughs> try it. Okay. One, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) Cut it. Cut it. Mark it. It's done. That's it. It's canon. We're done. (laughs) Run it up. Run it up. All Um, right. So this is our third episode of Guest Timber, and... Uh, we're having a great time not having to research any topics. Yeah, this is really nice. <laughs> nice little break for us. Vacation. Uh, and we're especially excited because we have our first international guest. Don't we, In-house. Julie? In-house. Here. In America. In the U.S. She of came all the way, crossed some borders. Yes. To come to my dining room and record this podcast. I, who, how, what did we do to deserve such wonderful things? Who the hell knows? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so today we have Corinne Atkinson. Uh, hello, Corinne. Hello. 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 How does Canadians, you know, do Canadians greet each other any differently, I guess? Maybe we could, uh, we should ask that up top. Yeah. Hey, bud. Hey, bud. Okay. Hey, good. bud. Hey, bud. Yeah, yeah hey, I bud. like that. It's friendly. It's mild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like. Canada. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself uh, right off the top. Um, well, I'm born and raised in Canada uh, in the Niagara region. So I grew up pretty close to the border. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have a bunch of jobs right now. Um, I work at a restaurant in Niagara on the Lake where I was lucky enough to meet these ladies uh, earlier in the summer. It was great. It was amazing. She brought us treats. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Treats. Um, I am currently training to become a volunteer firefighter in my town. So badass. Bless you. It's really exciting and terrifying all at the same time. Um, and I have a couple other jobs and one of them is going to give away my topic. So I don't want to go too far into that. We don't know what Corinne's topic is today. It's a a mystery. This is great. Remained a mystery. So when you're ready, Corinne, tell us what your topic is. All right, so I thought a lot about what topic I should pick. Um, Originally, I was going to do this about Canada. Uh, Since I'm from there, I thought I could come up with some uh, really good stuff that would help people who are studying for pub trivia. Uh, But I had about five full pages of notes and realized I'd only covered the Yukon and Rupert's (laughs) Land up until the gold rush. So I thought I should probably save that for something later. Um, So... And I was in a panic because uh, just only a couple months ago, I changed... Uh, where I work. So I was still working, doing the same job, still in the Niagara region, but in a different district. Um, So I thought it was really interesting to see how all the different sites that I'm at now, um, how they operate and how the people we serve are so different from one site to the next. Um, And I found myself thinking, like we have standard operating procedures. Um, 
And maybe we should print those off and deliver them to everybody in the country because even though I see hundreds of people every day, most of them have no idea what I do or how I do it and how to get the most out of our encounter. So I thought this is my opportunity to explain. Um, I am a vampire and today's topic is about how I collect your blood and why. Now, now we've met each other. We (laughs) met each other a couple of times. That sink in, and I, I I didn't realize that that's why your bicuspids were so sharp, Mm -hmm. and not just our Canadian dental program. Yes, which there isn't one. We're recording at nighttime. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's why she sparkles in the sunlight. She didn't eat any of the garlic on our pizza from earlier. My God, it's all connecting. Uh, so you are a vampire, also a, I'm assuming a phlebotomist. Yes. Is this, okay. Yes, actually I am a medical laboratory technician in Ontario. Uh, so I wake up every day and I put on a different pair of pajamas, also known as scrubs, <laughs> and I stick needles in people. Uh, sometimes they're sick people, sometimes they're just little kids. It doesn't really matter to me who you are, uh, just as long as I have the right paperwork. Um, so I work in a private lab as opposed to a hospital. Uh, I'm not a nurse, even though lots of people assume that I am. Uh, and yes, I have been called a vampire about a trillion times, not yeah. to mention lots of other nasty, awful things as well. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. It's not your fault. Yeah. It's not your fault they're there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't make the orders. And their blood is bad and yeah. needs to be taken out yeah. of them. That's, um, that's how blood works. Yeah. That's what I imagine. Anyway, I'm sure we're gonna, you're going to tell us all about that. <laughs> yeah, so um, I take blood, perform ECGs, and I process all the paperwork and uh, samples associated with lab tests. Um, so even though I've been doing this for about 10 years, uh, I did a lot of my research for today on WebMD, um, which you can do too. If your doctor gives you a requisition, uh, you just search every test and all the information you need is on there and what the normal range is. Um, I mostly want to make sure that there weren't glaring obvious differences between American and Canadian Mm. stuff, but Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty universal. I mean, blood is the same inside of literally every single person. So That's true. We're Um, mostly familiar with WebMD as in I kind of have a headache. Maybe I should Maybe probably I should eyeball cancer. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely. There's a worm <laughs> somewhere inside my inside optic my, nerve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or like, don't Google any kind of stomach pains. Like lower oh, no. right quadrant tummy pain. Forget it. It's always pancreatic cancer. And then it's <laughs> then you don't sleep. Then yeah. you don't sleep. Yeah. So um, I'm glad you put it to good use. Yeah. Well, at, at my lab, we actually offer an a secure online results account to our patients. Uh, so they log in and get to see their own results. Uh, but otherwise, if you come to my lab, I cannot print off your results and give them to you. Um, so you have to return to your doctor, at least not in Ontario, because that has to do with privacy. Uh, that's also the same reason why I can't tell you why a doctor has ordered a test for you, because I'm not your doctor, so oh. I don't really know. A test can be for all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're curious about why a doctor's ordered something, just ask them. Um, and if you have the paperwork, look it up on WebMD, like I said. And I know friends and family of hypochondriacs everywhere are rolling their eyes at that advice. But um, <laughs> it really does do a good job of explaining what the normal range is and what uh, the test might indicate and what kind of diets and activities might be affecting those results, which I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. 
So I work on the front lines. Um, lab technicians and phlebotomists are not licensed. Uh, so even though I went to school and I wrote a nationally and provincially accredited exam, none of that is technically required. Um, good luck getting a job without any of that, but it's not legally required uh, where I'm from or in many states. Um, so in Ontario, under the Regulated Health Professionals Act, I am delegated the responsibility to perform controlled acts. In other words, poke people with needles to get their blood out under the supervision of uh, an authorized professional. So that means the lab is licensed um, and then medical lab technologists, doctors and medical directors who have licenses are responsible for all the work I do. Uh, a technologist is someone with a degree who gets a specialty in one of the lab disciplines of chemistry, hematology, microbiology, transfusion medicine, or histology or cytology. Wow. Uh, yeah, they're the ones who sign off on results. So even if a technician takes blood, brings it back to the lab, loads it on the analyzer themselves, and the machine that does the testing emails the results to the doctor, a technologist is still responsible for ensuring the validity and accuracy of those results. And they do that by maintaining the equipment, doing quality assurance checks, and then when required, making interpretations using their education and experience. I see. This is reminding me a lot of Bad Blood, the... Um the Elizabeth Holmes yeah. stuff. Oh, right. Are yeah, you yeah. talking about that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Julia's so excited. I that was on HBO, right? I keep seeing it as I'm like scrolling past. Yeah. Um, but instead I watched it's that so good. The book is so good. Girl. So I uh, sorry, well, I didn't I, mean to derail you. When I first started in with this career, I had patients tell me all the time, like, you know, they invented this new thing where they don't need to take tubes blood anymore. That was the whole Elizabeth mm-hmm. Holmes thing. And uh that was not true at all. She made all that up. Yeah. So. Jokes on them. Well, yeah. um, jokes on her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she's bad at what she did. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was like so wild that it was like a single drop of blood. You can get tested for all sorts of things. And clearly that is not and, a technology that exists or has existed. Right. And like everybody that had been in the field, like all the lab technicians were like, nope, sorry. We still need all mm-hmm. of this. And you know, it's just, it's just how it is. Yeah. But it was just a cult of personality. So that's like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, yeah. So up to 70% of the diagnoses that doctors make are directly based on lab results. So since it's not up to us what to order, we have to make sure that everything we do is very accurate. So if you mistake, make a mistake and order a fasting test on someone, uh, instead of ordering a random sample when the results come back and they're compared to that reference range for the wrong test, it could mean either unnecessary treatment for a condition or even worse, a medical condition might go untreated and progress and get more complicated. So basically if they tell you that you need to fast before this test and you're like, "Mm, but I'm going to need a bowl of cocoa puffs first, Mm -hmm. that's really going to throw everything off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I follow the rules. Don't look at me. I'm not looking at, well, oh. I'm looking at you only because you're I'm in front, in of, front you. of me. Yeah. Right. But I always, <laughs> Corinne, I want you to know <laughs> when they tell me to fast, I fast. Okay. Good. I am hungry when I get there. Yeah. yeah. We don't like it. No. Absolutely. No, nobody no. likes do it. it. Yeah. Well, um, since I mentioned reference ranges, um, this is one of our built-in safety nets for results. If your results come back abnormals, Someone's not going to necessarily call you in a panic until you go straight to the hospital, especially if you're walking around feeling otherwise fine. Um, The lab develops their own normal range, which is it's going to be similar to every lab. They're not inventing new math or anything. Um, 
but it's going to adjust for things like sea level, uh, tendencies of their equipment, and then also factor in gender, age, and things like that. Um, so if a whole whack of samples come back on the same analyzer as abnormal, they're going to check the machine first for accuracy by running a whole bunch of samples through that they know the value of and then make their maintenance adjustments from there. I'm sorry, sea level? Yeah. Well, it would have a an effect on the pressure, air pressure. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's crazy. I never even thought about that. Yeah. I haven't become, uh, until we started doing this podcast, I was like unaware of what sea level does <laughs> to things. Yeah. No, I just. Well, we talked about like mountains. We talked about like baking. Yeah. We talked about like. Rivers? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have done rivers. We have not. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, so I should also mention that if your results come back outside of the reference range, you and your might and your, I should also mention that if your results come back outside of the reference range, you and your doctor might be aware of a reason why they would be anyways. Um, again, this is not a reason to automatically freak out certain medical conditions or medications might affect your results, or maybe you decided to jog to the lab, um, (laughs) or you stopped in to get your cholesterol and blood sugar checked after going ham at the Olive Garden, Um, your test won't give you an accurate picture of your overall health. Uh, They're just going to show what you just did to yourself and haven't had a chance to process back to stasis yet. I see. Okay. So being hungover is probably also not a really good time to go get your blood drawn. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like a lot of a lot of factors can can affect a lot of factors that maybe you don't normally think of if you're somebody who doesn't work in this field that can affect w- what your blood comes back as and it's not automatically right. like brain cancer. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times if you are otherwise healthy even if they come back a little bit from what your personal average might be odds are you're still going to be in the normal range. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, If you are otherwise feeling pretty good and your results come back weird, your doctor is most likely just going to have you repeat the test. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Something else that we already mentioned was fasting. So at my lab, we ask almost everybody that comes in after we look at their paperwork, when was the last time you had anything to eat or drink other than water? And nobody has come up with a better way to phrase that but i would say less than eight percent of people give us a useful answer um (laughs) they either say i didn't have to fast or um last night which is completely not helpful we're looking for a time like 10 p.m or an hour Mm -hmm. ago (laughs) okay good to know yeah because i i can fully confess i say (laughs) "Mm, last night Mm-hmm. Before bed. And like, bed could be any time. Yeah, people say, well, I had breakfast. Well, like, I don't know your life. When was breakfast? <laughs> Bitch, come on. I got other people to see. Yeah, and we say, nothing. Like, you didn't have any coffee. Well, yeah, I had some coffee. Well, then, when was... <laughs> <laughs> Is coffee water? You no, flow try chart. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have them follow the flow chart. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, we should get one of those printed. <laughs> Like we're, we're not just being nosy and like we do know which tests you do and do not have to fast for. Thanks. Um, we're asking because it's at my lab, we do a calculation for your cholesterol. Some places do um, 
they just make everybody fast for 12 hours, but at our place we can calculate it. So that's why we need to ask that. Interesting. One of the other reasons why we ask about fasting is it helps determine whether or not we need to submit your glucose test as fasting or random. Just because you didn't have to fast doesn't mean that you aren't fasting. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, some people come in right when they wake up and they haven't had a coffee or anything yet. So technically they haven't had anything in 14 hours. That's fasting. Um, depending on your lab, uh, your healthcare provider, and your health issues, you may or may not be required to fast. Uh, generally, this, if it's something really special, your doctor is going to make a point to tell you. Um, but for normal stuff like glucose or cholesterol, they might just rely on your ability to read your requisition and determine whether or not they want you to do a fasting sample. Sometimes a doctor requires a fasting sample, but they'll also accept a random one. Then again, they might tell you to go back and have it done again. And then they yell at you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't know if you're going to answer this, so disregard if you're going to answer this, but why would you need to fast or not fast for a blood sample? Specifically for blood sugar, um, if you have had nothing to eat or drink, mm -hmm. then your blood sugar should be pretty low. If it's high, that could mean that you have diabetes. Okay. All right, good to know. And then if you eat, your blood sugar is already going to be mm -hmm. high or normal or whatever, and so that's hard to determine if that's like a normal range or not for you specifically. Even, even if it's a random sample, if you ate, and this is actually one of the things where the reason why I didn't include a lot of numbers in here is because uh, reference ranges for different things can be in like grams and deciliters and oh, whatever. Sure, yeah. uh, the Canadian and the American measurements for blood sugar are different. Oh, and they're no. off by like a factor of 10 or something and a just wasn't comfortable <laughs> doing all the math through this whole thing. So yeah. I'd hate for one of our listeners to be like, Oh no, yeah, they say, I have diabetes. Like, no your blood sugar me. came back as a 16. You have diabetes when really in American, that's very, very, very low. I think. So maybe you have Canadian diabetes. <laughs> maybe and that's all of it. Our Kit Kat. Yes. And maple syrup. Yeah. <gasps> We're blowing the lid off. Beauty. Warm. <laughs> High-quality maple products. Diabetes. Canada. <laughs> Canadian diabetes. <laughs> Which is just American normal. <laughs> Our desserts are so sweet. So um, some labs probably do have their own policy on whether or not uh, they allow a patient to proceed with a non-fasting sample when a doctor's ordered a, a fasting sample, but under no circumstances is it advisable to lie to us about this. You might be annoyed that you have to make another trip or defensive about realizing that you should have when you didn't. Uh, but trust me, we don't care about your honest mistake. We just want you to get the correct results. Um, we'll tell you whether or not it's up to you to get your blood work done or if you have to come back. But trust me, it's not saving us any work to kick you out. We're just going to have to poke you eventually. <laughs> you're going to get that yeah, blood? You're just, yeah. what? you're just making it worse on yourself because if you get some like crazy result when you lied to somebody, <laughs> yeah. then your doctor, you're going to have an extra doctor visit. They're, you might do extra testing. They might test, try something else out on you yeah, because exactly. they you know, thought something crazy had happened. So. Yeah, all unnecessary because you decided to lie about your toast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is probably also a good place to plug like just be honest when you're at the health, any healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they're like, how tall are you? And you're like, I'm 5'10". And you're not 
Why are you lying about it's that? Not, it's not Tinder. Just <laughs> yeah. tell him you're not. You tell him you're five eight. <laughs> Guys, tell him you're five eight. <laughs> They're gonna know, eventually. We have eyes. I am mm-hmm. not bitter about this at all. Based on we, a true story. We, we had a long running thing where that if um, if you were on a dating site and a man said he was 5'10", that meant he was 5'8", if a day. Yeah, 5'8", mm-hmm. uh, maybe on a good day if he was feeling really like and wearing full, And wearing lifts. Yeah, wearing those Timberlands. <laughs> Jeez. So many guys I ran in, I met on online dating, they'd be like, oh, well, I'm 5'10". And you're and like, them, I'm taller than you. I'm, I can see the top of your head. <laughs> Like, I am at eye level. Just be honest with me. I don't care. God. What's three extra inches? Please. Anyway. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Be Claire. honest when you're at the doctor. Yeah. Be honest If something hurts, just tell them. Yeah. Yeah. If it's, even if it's embarrassing, that's what they're there for. Yeah. They hear about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when they don't want to, like at parties, <laughs> family yeah. reunions. I Can mean, you, you look know. at this weird mole? Yeah. Yeah. Just tell them about it. At the office. Don't yeah. tell them at parties. No, don't tell yeah. them at parties. Make an appointment. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Make an appointment. Exactly. Sorry, Corinne. <laughs> Just really working through some personal stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it, it comes to blood work, um, your instructions might be different from when you have surgery. So fasting means nothing to eat or drink except for water for a minimum of eight hours. There's certain tests where you should fast longer and please drink as much water as you want. Um, it helps keep your blood volume up. It makes it easier to find a vein, but no Lacroix, no coffee, uh, no mints, no gum, not even sugar-free. Um, I had a patient that fasted for 14 hours once, except they had a blueberry at Costco on their way to the lab. <laughs> and that's enough to break their fast. A single blueberry. Single One blueberry. <laughs> That's so sad. Because it literally, it doesn't matter how much you ate or what it was. Um, the issue is that once you start the digestion process, you start the production of enzymes that we're looking for in your blood. So it's difficult to tell if you're having a medical issue or if you're just lying about eating a blueberry. A single blueberry. Oh, she was so hungry. <laughs> oh, she was like, I'm just going to treat myself to this little blueberry. They're never going to know. She knew. Yeah. Corinne knew. Corinne knew. Well, they fessed up. Oh, that's good. So guilty about it. <laughs> no, really, when was the last time he had anything? You get very serious about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, what are some of the most common tests that I see? Number one used to be the INR, uh, which stands for International Normalized Ratio. This is ordered most commonly for therapeutic monitoring of blood thinners. Uh, We collect it in a little blue tube that has a reversible preservative inside of it that keeps it from clotting until it gets to the lab. Whoa. That's That's wild. And then once it gets to the lab, then they actually have um, a chemical that they add to it to make it clot because um, this test is also called a PT or a prothrombin time and because it measures the amount of time it takes for your blood to clot. Um, the results come back pretty quick, and a lot of doctors will even call their patients the same day that they have their blood drawn to tell them whether or not they need to adjust their medication. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it can also be used as a screening process if you're not on blood thinners. Um, if your INR is abnormal, this would indicate to your doctor that there is another condition to investigate. A high number means that you're at risk of developing a blood clot, 
And if it's too low, that means your blood doesn't clot fast enough and you're at risk of internal bleeding. Um, This might be caused by liver disease not producing the clotting factors, uh, genetic condition, or vitamin K deficiency. And, but there are new blood thinners on the market now that don't require so much monitoring. They also have point-of-care testing available at some places where you go and just prick your finger instead of coming to the lab and having a whole tube drawn. Wow. And that's even changed since I started. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know like even in, like in the last like three or four years or something, because I know my dad's on blood thinners, but there's like, there's like a couple of ones that are older blood thinners that mm-hmm. some people are still taking. And my mom at the hospital is like, when it's like an old person on this blood thinner has fallen down the steps and comes mm-hmm. in because they're bleeding. You can't do anything about it because that blood thinner is like cannot cannot be stopped. So she like made sure that all of my family members who are on blood thinners are not on the bad ones. The bad ones. The bad oh ones. I don't remember what they're called. I don't want to give any misinformation here on our <laughs> on our <laughs> on podcast. But yeah, you could do your own research on that. But internal bleeding is like it's very uh, scary. That's like the only thing I'm, again, you know, I'm not squeamish. I'll touch my eyeball all day, but it's the internal bleeding thing that just like, for some reason, my wrists go weak. Like the idea I'm like, I can't even like pick up a pen. Like it's just, (laughs) it's like a weird psychological thing with like internal bleeding. If I have that thought in my head, yeah, Yeah, it's not good. It's gross. Uh, It's so gross. (laughs) (laughs) kind of related to that whenever I watch like a sporting event if somebody gets like a leg injury I feel it in my legs (laughs) and then they all get tingly and I'm very aware of all of my bones yeah it's like that yeah yeah exactly we all experience uh, disgust and horror in different beautiful ways at the human Mm -hmm. at the human body yes Mm -hmm. exactly well it's because we're empathetic creatures what can I say yeah uh, well, the next most common test that I would see on a daily basis is a CBC. Um, this is also drawn on a tube with a preservative in it uh, called EDTA, which keeps it from coagulating. And EDTA, as it turns out, is a preservative in a lot of things, which is why I no longer enjoy Snapple or Diet Coke. <gasps> it's a good thing you quit Diet Coke, Jewel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably full of it, though, so. <laughs> Your blood clots like this. I was probably drinking, I'd say, six liters of Diet Coke a week. Yeah, easily. Probably, oh, easily. Yeah. For it's like, not, it's not a, it's not for like 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. And then she gave it up for seltzer. So. Yeah. Good need plan. Those, I need I bubbles. Like, yeah. yeah, you need them, them bubbles. Oh, yeah. Corinne is checking the ingredients. It's just... Uh, carbonated water and natural flavors. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Have no fear. <laughs> Mine has the essence of fresh lemons, so be jealous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, well, the reason why we don't want your blood to clot is because the, when the tube gets to the lab, the machine is going to analyze it for a bunch of things um, because CBC actually stands for complete blood count. And one of the things that we're counting is your platelets. Oh. Uh, these are the cells that Um, clump together to make a clot. So if you're having an issue with coagulation, we want to see how many of those you have. 
Um, another component of the CBC is the diff or the white cell count, which is literally what it sounds like. An automated cell counter not only counts the number of white cells you have in a sample, but it also tells us what type of cell it is. Um, because you have lymphocytes, monocytes, neutrophils, basophils, and eosinophils. Um, if any of these are elevated, it might mean there's an infection or some sort of other immune response, like an allergic reaction. But if they're too low, that means your body doesn't have a working defense mechanism. Wow. You saw that Magic School Bus episode where they shrink down and they yes. go in the blood? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I'm picturing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Me too. Yeah. Well, the third part of your blood is your red cells or RBCs. Um, the part of the test is the RBC count. Since your red cells are how you carry oxygen and carbon dioxide throughout your body, it's important to know that you have a normal amount of them or not. Um, not enough typically means you have anemia of some degree and a high result in an otherwise healthy person probably just means you're dehydrated, possibly even hungover like you're saying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, but conditions that might be indicated by a high result would include a damaged spleen or possibly problems with your bone marrow production to go Ooh. to the WebMD degree. Wow. Yeah. So you could either be dehydrated and hungover or you have bone marrow cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Or you crushed your spleen in some yeah. terrible way. But that's easy. Like One they just the take other. your spleen out. Yeah. They just pop it right out of you. Pot of problem. Mm-hmm. In and out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's an overnight. It's an inpatient. It's an outpatient procedure. Not quite. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for correcting oh, me. We're not medical professionals. Oh, yeah. We're not. Sorry. Oh, by the way. We real we quick. We should have said that. We, well, I mean, we didn't know what the topic was, but <laughs> true. At the top of the hour, we should have said, hey, everybody. Don't listen to Lauren Do and not Julia. listen to Lauren and Julia <laughs> about medical stuff. <laughs> I hand out Advil like candy everywhere I go. So, you know. Um, a, a CBC also measures your hemoglobin, which is the protein that binds oxygen to your blood and your hematocrit, which is essentially a ratio of the amount of red blood cells to the other parts of your blood. It also gives the, uh, reports on the shape and size and types of, uh, red blood cells that you have. And like I said, this is a very, very common test. I think it's ordered a lot because it gives us real bang for the buck as far as uh, the amount of information we get off of just one sample goes. It's a non-fasting sample um, and it can be ordered as part of a, phys a routine physical or to diagnose symptoms like weakness, bleeding, fever, or to monitor a known condition or a treatment plan like chemo just to see how you're doing. So if you've had blood drawn before, you may have noticed that we have a lot of different colored tubes and they're all different shapes. And some of them have this little milky blob in the bottom of them. Oh, <laughs> well, I didn't notice it until now. It's a kombucha yeah. tube. No. <laughs> That's how they make their tea in the back. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it was grossing me out. All right, what's the milky okay, blob? So this, it's, these are our gold tops or SSTs, and an SST stands for serum separator tube. Uh, we use these tests because, or these tubes, because a lot of the analytes that we're looking for are found in your serum. So your red blood cells get in the way of what we're looking for. So we want to separate them. Um, and that glob is actually a gel. 
So we let your tube sit in the back for 30 minutes and then we put it in the centrifuge and at a certain RPM, that gel will liquefy. Red cells go to the bottom of the tube, gel settles on top of the red cells and then serum is left for testing. That's really cool. Cool. So I never know what color the tube is when I get my blood drawn because I can't look at it. Yeah, that's (laughs) fairly common. (laughs) I like looking at it. Some, some labs, like the hospital that I used to work at in Toronto 10 years ago when I first started, they use green tubes, which do have a preservative in them. It's lithium heparin, um, but they still have the jello separator. And uh, so what they are testing when they do their core lab or their chemistry test is actually plasma. So plasma is serum with the clotting factors still in it. Okay. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask. Because we hear about people that are like, you can make money donating blood plasma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. But they have to take, (laughs) do they have to take like a lot more of it? Or like there's something, there's something different with donating plasma. I think it hurts more. Maybe it hurts more. Well, you have two holes because they take blood out and they centrifuge it to separate your red cells from your plasma. And then they put your red cells back in you. And they just keep the plasma. There's two holes in you. Yeah. Oh, God, that's what it is. There's two holes. It's like, it's like it's like the Matrix. They like hook you up to the system. Ew. Don't you need those that plasma for the red blood cells? Do, or they just like splooch back in and just like find their way. <laughs> then some of your blood's just extra thick for a second. <gasps> yeah, like your, your uh. hematocrit, like I was saying. If you tested your hematocrit right after, you would have a higher percentage of red blood cells compared to the rest. But you just you drink some water and you get it back real quick. You don't worry about it. I'm just really very aware of all of my veins. <laughs> all my veins and arteries and especially in my arms for some reason. <laughs> Your wrists are so heavy. They're so heavy. Oh, God. Well, the, the gold tubes um, don't have any preservative in them. So by separating the red cells, we're actually slowing down the degradation of the analytes that we're looking for. So those tubes stay stable um, until they get to the testing facility. Okay. Wow. So it doesn't arrive like in a big clump. Right. Yeah. That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Great. <laughs> well, there is a clump, but it's at the bottom under the gel, yeah. which is where it's supposed to be. Great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. How far do these samples usually have to travel? Well, I work anywhere between Fort Erie and Niagara Falls, mm-hmm. and our testing facility is in Toronto. Okay. So that's like a three-hour, three-hour drive? Two and a half hours? From Niagara Falls, right? An hour and a half or so, but it's not like every single tube goes straight to Toronto. Okay. They stay at the lab and they get picked up a couple times a day. Okay, so it's yeah. fine that there's like some distance between the places. Yeah. It's not like you have to get to the, you have a 10 mile, you know, it's, radius it's not like or something. Heart. Yeah, right. they have to like put it in a cooler and like run across town or like put it in a jet in plane or whatever. You had an ambulance. <laughs> It's not like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Imagine there are just hot, there's just one ads in the paper for marathon runners to transport <laughs> organs. <laughs> That's just not what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a 
really long time since I've seen ER. I just always thought that was it. <laughs> she just thought it was like a guy that ran fast with a cooler under his arm. <laughs> That's really rude laughing. that they put the helipad on the roof then for them to go up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so All not right. a marathon runner. Sorry. I no. learned that now. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it, they can sit for a couple of hours to a day or right. so. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so our analyzer actually reminds me a lot of like a robot Willy Wonka situation <gasps> or maybe Santa's workshop, something like that, because so the lab is almost like a big warehouse or airplane hangar, but there's these conveyor belts that go all around. So you have one tube and it might have 20 different tests ordered off of it and it just goes down the line and it stops at different spots and it gets tested for different things as it goes. There's a little barcode on it and the machine reads it, figures out what the levels are, and then emails that right to your doctor. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's mostly automated at this yes. point. Wow, that's yes. amazing. So, But if you've ever had more than one SST drawn, that means probably there's a test on there that either is getting referred out. So you get it taken by me, but we're actually going to send it to a different hospital or a different lab because mm-hmm. we're not configured to do that test. Mm-hmm. Or it might mean that we have to add a reagent or a chemical to that tube to test for a certain thing in there. And that's going to ruin the sample for anything oh, else. Right. So, oh, okay. So it's kind of a destructive test. Yeah, sometimes. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, many labs have panels of tests they can order. Like if a doctor wants a liver panel or something, um, then the lab techs would know exactly which tests that includes. Uh, mine does not have that, so doctors have to order everything a la carte. Um, but <laughs> r- routine tests um, or a comprehensive metabolic panel include a variety of tests that might just be part of your physical or the first steps into figuring out what's wrong with you. Again, if you have a condition or you're on a chemo or some sort of other treatment, they might just want to monitor a little bit of everything, see how you're doing. Um, This panel would typically include electrolytes, liver function, kidney function, glucose, proteins, and calcium levels. Um, Your liver tests are alkaline phosphatase, ALT, and AST, which are short forms for things I don't want to pronounce right now. Great. (laughs) You don't have to. Mm -mm. And uh, they are enzymes that your liver produces. So any variation outside of the normal range would indicate poor liver function or liver damage. Um, Bilirubin is also tested here, which is a yellowish pigment contained inside of your blood cells. So if you've ever heard of jaundice, um, that's what happens when someone has an excess of bilirubin in their body and it turns their skin and eyes yellow. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, sometimes jaundice babies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's Mm -hmm. when you kind of hear that term. Yeah. Um, But when your liver is healthy, it processes these broken down red blood cells um, and that pigment is secreted in your stool. Great. Yeah. And Julie doesn't That's like to talk. Me neither. Like, okay, great. <laughs> Keep it very clinical and professional. Perfect. Um, kidney function tests are um, blood urea, nitrogen, and creatinine, uh, which is a natural byproduct of muscle breakdown, which is filtered through your kidneys. So that gives us 
an idea of how efficient your kidneys are being. If there's too much creatinine in your blood, it means your kidneys aren't doing a really good job of getting rid of it. And uh, so when we have patients that are getting an MRI, sometimes they have to get contrast or a dye injected into them. A lot of times they'll come in to have just a creatinine done because the doctor wants to make sure that their kidneys are up to the job of processing that safely for them. So they're not just, there's not just dye floating around inside of them for the rest of time. Right. Or giving them a problem. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Filling up their eyes with black sludge. I've been watching. Sorry, I've been watching X Files. I've been watching X Files. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry, Corinne. There's no one should be injecting anyone with sludge. (laughs) True. Yes. No. I agree. And if your eyeballs start changing color, we have a. You got. You got got, way more problems. Yes. You you need some blood work. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so your blood urea nitrogen, often shortened to BUN on a rec, um, is measuring how much urea nitrogen is in your blood. Um, it's a normal waste product produced by your liver. And again, if your kidneys are in good shape, it's going to filter it out into your urine. But if they're not working very well, then it's going to be found in higher levels in your blood. Not good. No. Um, electrolytes are sodium, potassium, chloride, and bicarb, which is the medical way of saying carbon dioxide. Um, if, uh, this isn't really just monitoring your salt and banana intake, not really. Um, <laughs> they are charged ions in your cells that maintain your, uh, fluid balance and muscle control, important muscles like your heart. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Yeah. yeah. Super important. Yeah. Heart and brain, those ones are really affected by your electrolytes. So if you know how people say eating too much salt makes you retain water, Mm -hmm. if your electrolytes are out of whack, your fluid retention will be affected, which is going to affect your blood pressure. If your sodium is too low, then your potassium will be elevated by comparison. And this leads to cramping. And that's the reason why some marathon runners keep little packs of salt on them when they run. Just pop them in there. Yeah. um, Did you ever see, it was a, I think it was a um, Gatorade commercial a little while back of a video of a guy like crossing the, (laughs) crossing (laughs) the um, marathon like finish line. And he's like jerking and a a jiving all over the place because his muscles just like, completely gave out because his electrolyte balance was so off and he like collapsed like three feet from the finish line. Mm-hmm. Well, was he carrying a cooler with a donor heart in it? <laughs> no, he <was> <laughs> no, he was not. Thankfully, because that heart would not have made it to its destination. So close. But he was like, like jerking in a jive and it was crazy. It was terrible. It's a terrible thing to see. So. It was a commercial. Well, it was a commercial. And it, you know, it showed he was like, this was me two years ago. Oh. When I didn't have my electrolytes balanced, on that sweet like Gatorade. Gatorade will do for you, like that kind of thing. Yeah. It was disturbing to watch. It was Oof. disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, a lot of races will have chips and things like pretzels at their stations on top of water and Gatorade. Yeah. Also, when you're sweating that much, you're sweating out your electrolytes. Yeah. So just drinking water. When you're running that far, if you're just doing like a 5K around the block, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen like gels, like um, mm-hmm. marathon mm-hmm. gels. Have you had Oof. them? Are they I, gross? I will not. Yeah. <laughs> it's gross. It's like protein and yeah. an electrolyte. It's yeah. like salt goo. and stuff. Goo. It, yeah. That's the, one of the brands. It's called yeah. goo. No, thank you. Yeah. I don't like exercising that much. I'll get my sugar and salt 
<laughs> the old-fashioned <laughs> way. Yeah. By eating a chocolate-covered pretzel. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, proteins are next. So we check for your albumin and total protein levels. Um, if your levels are abnormal, again, it could indicate that you have liver and kidney issues because your liver should be producing enough albumin and globulin for your body to repair its own tissues. If your protein levels are too low, it indicates that you're not absorbing them and they're being excreted into your urine. If they're too high, that could be an indication of chronic inflammation. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, How do your wrists feel now? <laughs> Not great. <laughs> it's a good thing I don't have to do any like, like long form writing anytime soon. <laughs> um, calcium is typically checked here as well. Um, that's because it's very important to everything from your hormone balance to your pancreas health and your bones, obviously. And then finally, in this section, I'm going to talk about glucose. This is one of the tests you may or may not need to fast for, so make sure you double check before you come into the lab. Uh, glucose is our body's main source of energy, um, so if it's not being regulated correctly, it could mean you either have hypoglycemia or diabetes. And since diabetes is such a seriously destructive condition, if not treated, early detection and management is the key. Interesting. Yeah, diabetes is real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just talking about this. I was talking about this with my parents. Um, ha- have you ever had anyone call it sugar? It's a Southern thing. Oh, yeah, see, the sugars. it's also a Buffalo thing. Oh. All my, all my. Yeah, like you got bad sugar. You got that sugar, yeah. I have, yeah, I've heard that, but it's usually like a really old fashioned thing or yeah. like maybe referencing some sort of deep South thing. Like, yeah. Like the vapors and can I, get, <laughs> can I get a sweet tea? You can't have a sweet tea. You got the sugars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, my Uncle Tom, like he was like, oh, you know, Uncle Jim, he died of sugar. And we were like, what? He <laughs> died of what? He <laughs> died of sugar. You know, sugar. Yeah. Wow. It's wild. Yeah. Buffalo so, too. How about yeah. that? It might be just the Lamotts. I mean, the Lulurusos, my, my extended family. Who knows? Never from the South. I don't think any of them actually went South of the Mason Dixon line, but (laughs) still the sugar was the thing. Uh Well, in addition to blood, we have the fortune of handling literally anything that can come out of a person. Um, This includes urine, stool, semen, sputum, biopsies, and swabs. You have to do all of that. We don't do swabs, but you do everything else. If well, we don't she collect these do things, it. but if it comes out of you and you collect it, you can bring it to me and I will deal with it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, they, so their doctor may have sent them home with a jar and right. said, please put X substance into <laughs> yes. this jar. From your body. And within this, uh, this time frame, mm-hmm. please then deliver it to this lab. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Do they have like a little paper bag? Yeah. Or what's the weirdest thing oh. you've gotten a sample in? Oh, people bring all kinds of weird things. Um, we got a urine sample a couple weeks ago from a lady, and it was a little tiny shopping bag. And the girls that worked there, they worked in the same location for thirty years or something. Mm-hmm. And it was some department store that closed down in the eighties, <gasps> but she still had the little 
bag that <laughs> in her cupboard somewhere. And she was like, I'm going to use this bag I've been saving. Gimbals. Gimbals. <laughs> <laughs> I've been using this bag I've been saving for 35 years yeah. from a pee. Yeah. Well, people are so embarrassed to bring samples in. Like, yeah. Like everybody here. <laughs> It has the same stuff in their purse. Like, don't worry about it. Has yeah. anybody ever been like in a McDonald's bag or something? <laughs> um, or a Tim Hortons, a Tim Hortons, Hortons bag. bag. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Routinely Tim Forgive Hortons me. bags. We get those. <laughs> that seems right. So you guys are very careful not to just like assume somebody's brought you food, right? At the office. It's like, mm, this is not a bag. <laughs> Always assume no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably a safe bet. The, the semen samples are either like one way or the other. People are like, here it is. Have a great day. And they, and they slam, slam it, on the it down on the table. Yeah. Hey, everybody, here's my semen sample. Or they're like really, really nervous and shy. Like, I am. Um, <clears throat> my uh, wife told me I had to. Um, <laughs> what, and they try and like give it to you and there's like no name on it or anything. You're like, wait, sir, sir, come back. <laughs> To fill out this form, sir. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to sign your semen sample. Sir, uh, hold on a second. Hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> Gina, where's the uh, the semen form? We gotta get this guy to sign. <laughs> Could we get a semen form for this guy? Semen form. Oh. <laughs> you print off some. Yeah. No, the semen one. <laughs> oh, I bet that's fun. Yeah. 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 There's some really funny questions on there. <laughs> oh, I want to hear about those. Que- we'll talk about those. Yeah, let me go. we can talk so about my mom's going to listen to this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, um, so a urinalysis is actually um, the most commonly ordered thing, short for urine analysis. It's very clever. Oh, that's good. Yeah, um, it tests a whole bunch of things all at once. So um, in that urine sample, we will test for if you have blood cells in there, white blood cells, bacteria, crystals, proteins, uh, check your pH, see if there's any glucose, nitrates, or bilirubin in your urine. Um, One thing this report will not include, however, is anything to do with drugs and alcohol. Okay, so that is that's a talk screen, a drugs of abuse screen or like a specific test, like an opioid screen. Um, So if I hand you a a sterile container, just go. You're not going to be narking on yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so if your doctor suspects you have a urinary tract infection, um, your urine can actually be planted in a Petri dish and then monitored for bacteria growth for best results here. What we want you to do is collect your urine using the clean catch method. So, um, because your body is normally covered in bacteria, we don't want to plant that bacteria. We only want the bacteria that's roaming around all the way up inside your bladder and your urinary tracts in your urinary tract. So what you do is you pee just a little bit into the toilet, just kind of rinse out the pipes, and then you collect the rest of your sample in the cup. Um, Please keep in mind as well, most of our urine tests only require 10 to 20 milliliters of urine. You don't have to fill the whole cup. A lot of people look at me in horror when I pass it to them because they're like, well, I already went today. Okay, well, that's fine. I have very little sympathy for you again in this situation because (laughs) if you look at your paperwork, urine is going to be on there somewhere. So if it's checked off, assume that you're going to have to provide a sample. And it's just 
easier to try. We only need, like I said, a very little amount rather than coming back later and dropping it off. It's a whole paperwork thing. <laughs> like, I don't have enough. Look, there's a water fountain in the corner. <laughs> yeah. We got an hour. Yeah. A oh. lot of times people think they try and they say, I didn't get enough and literally five times the amount that I need. So <laughs> it's, it's okay. Um, something else we see so frequently that there's no need to be embarrassed about is urine samples for chlamydia and gonorrhea. Um, however, a first morning sample is preferred for this. Uh, so you might just be given a container to take home and drop that off later. Uh, you might get swabbed at your doctor's office during an exam and then either they'll give you the swab to drop off or the doctor's office will just um, submit it to the lab themselves. Um, other samples that we collect or we receive, I should say, are stool and sputum. Um, so if your doctor doesn't give you the appropriate container to collect it in, come to the lab and get one. Don't bring me a yogurt container or a Ziploc baggie. Oh I swear. Oh, God. <laughs> These containers need to be sterile. And in some cases, there's a preservative required. Uh, routine stool samples are collected either for culture and sensitivity, so that's looking for bacteria, or an ONP, which stands for ova and parasites. It's exactly as disgusting as that sounds. Um, this is not something you're going to be asked to do as part of your routine physical. That's only something you do when you're sick that helps your doctor determine the appropriate antibiotics or antiparasitic drugs to prescribe. Um, a sputum sample is something you get from deep within your lungs that you cough up into a sterile container. Like if you had the tuberculosis. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever given a sputum sample. Yeah. If you're, um, so what you do is you, you cough and it's like from way deep down in there. Um, it can be examined for malignant cells, tested for bacteria, for fungus, or for sometimes, say it with me. Gonorrhea. Wrong area. What else? There might be gonorrhea in there. Oh, in your lungs, there shouldn't be. (laughs) No, Maria's like absolutely. You could get it in your eyes. You could get it in your throat. You can get it in your nose. You can get it in your. If it makes it to your lungs, you did something wrong. You definitely did something wrong. In your nose. Think about it. Whenever you're dropping off a sample to the lab that you collected at home, it is very, very important that you label it. You need your name and your birthday at the very least, preferably a collection date and time, your health card number in Canada or some other identifying information. If it's not labeled, there's a very real chance it's going to get mixed up with someone else's lost or just discarded. Uh, you went and to then all you'll that have to do it all over again. Yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, Who shit is this? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Joel. I won't do it again. <laughs> then make sure you take the time to read all the instructions that come with any kit that you take home. Some samples have to be refrigerated. Some have to be kept at room temperature. Oh. And yeah, refrigerated is particularly dead. Does do not eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of times if you do that a sample that should be refrigerated. If you bring it straight to the lab, you can just put it in our fridge instead of keeping it overnight. Great. Great. Good to know. Yeah. Keep it in your fridge. Keep it in our (laughs) fridge. We've got lots of fridges just for that. No food allowed in those fridges. Mm -hmm. Um, if, If you're not sure about any of that, 
just call the lab or stop in so we can clarify that for you. All right, so now we are going to talk about the pointy part of my job. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what? And then I remembered. Okay, you can do this, Julia. Yeah. Right. Here we go. All right. So taking blood is called venipuncture or phlebotomy, which is a technical term meaning creating a hole in a vein. Um, so what I do first is I verify your identity, make sure that the orders on the requisition match what's been data entered by checking the labels that get printed out. Um, depending on the setup, if you're at a clinic or a collection center or a hospital, there will be a chair of some sort with an armrest unless you're in bed. Um, at this point, if you know your arms, give me a hint. Um, I usually ask patients which arms they prefer to use. People a lot of times say, well, I'm right-handed, so can you use my left hand? I don't really care as long as there's a good vein in that arm. Um, if uh, the hole is going to be closed within 10 minutes, so whichever vein is best is the one that we're going to use. Um, everyone has the same veins inside their arms somewhere, but for reasons I have yet to figure out, they don't all present the same way in everyone. And sometimes they're deeper than others. Sometimes they're smaller or off to the side or at a really weird angle compared to the anatomy textbooks. <laughs> the vein that I'm looking for is called the antecubital vein, and it should be somewhere around the center of the inside of your elbow. Too. Yeah. Yeah. If you I, press on it, it's kind of kind of spongy. Yeah. yeah. I got a good one right there. Let's yeah. take out of that one. Um, do you look at people and think that's a good vein? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mom uh, would creepily uh, when she would meet my friend, she'd shake their hands and like twist their arms and be like, "Oh, you got some nice veins," <laughs> which is very creepy, especially to like an eight-year-old kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like high school or college, but yeah, when you have a small child, like. Oh, you got some nice veins here. <laughs> Look at yeah. his good veins. Cruella Deville yeah. vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very creepy. No, <laughs> they're all hidden deep. Yeah. So, but even if they can't be seen with the naked eye, we're trained to feel for them using our finger. Um, we apply a tourniquet. Where some people say tourniquet, maybe tourniquet is Canadian pronunciation. <laughs> No. Um, which helps to pull the blood in the vein so by stopping the blood flow. It also helps pop the vein out a little bit more. Um, if I really can't feel the right spot, I will then ask you to make a fist. A lot of old school phlebotomists just ask everybody to do that. Um, but actually pumping your hand or making a really tight fist can artificially elevate levels of proteins, enzymes, and electrolytes in addition to hemolyzing your sample. If you're otherwise healthy, probably doesn't matter. It's not going to affect it so much. So I don't like to do it unless I don't really have a choice. Um, but once I've located the vein, I cleanse it with an alcohol wipe. Wait a few seconds for that alcohol to evaporate and then poke away. Can you imagine like you fasted for 14 hours, you didn't eat that blueberry at Costco, <laughs> but then because you pumped your fist three times, you <laughs> elevated something in your blood and messed you up your do it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> And we see so many people that we we don't turn people away and say like, well, now, great work, Bruce, you ruined it. Well, we just say, <laughs> like, sir, don't do that. No, just open your hand, please. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, so, but some people may have heard of rolling veins. Um, some people's veins just move because they're not naturally anchored in spot or they're laying on top of a tendon. So try and use my thumb to hold it down. 
starting to get the vapors i don't i don't do good with with needles or blood uh yeah. i'm surprised i made it this far uh probably reading probably reading bad blood kind of helped with that yeah like, yeah kind of desensitized me to a little but then when i'm thinking about it as, as my own body that's mm-hmm. what i like oh yeah me. that's when it becomes Ugh. very aware yeah um so we have different gauged needles and honestly, the biggest one that we have is the best option for you because your blood will flow faster into the tube. And since it's bigger, the cells don't crash into each other as much on their way in. So they don't hemolyze or break as much. Oh, that's, yeah. that's actually kind of adorable. They don't like bump into each other so much. They flow nice and yeah. pretty into and the... burst and release <laughs> all of that stuff. <laughs> oh you want to use the bigger needle. A lot of people are like... You have to use a baby needle on me. Okay. It, <laughs> it's going to take longer. Yeah. If I have to, I will, but it's not always the best for your sample if yeah. it's not required. I know a lot of old school techs that just don't even carry them in their kits. They're like, nope. Sorry, I don't this have is, it. This is what you get. Or they're like, yep, this is the baby needle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so before I poke, I select which tubes I'm going to use and I set them out in the order that I'm going to use them because the order of draw does matter. There's, um, a possibility of cross-contaminating tubes with the preservative from the tube you used before. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you know what? I never even thought Mm. about that, but that makes sense. Um, but luckily these days, one poke should mean only... Uh, you can do as many tubes off of that one poke. In the old-fashioned days, the tubes didn't have a vacuum in them, so they had to poke you every time they needed a different tube. And they were glass, and it was sounds like a whole ordeal. <laughs> it did not sound fun. Um, so even sometimes I'm taking four or five tubes, patients get concerned, and people always joke, half joke about like, are you leaving me any blood? Are you taking, how much are you really taking? But um, each tube only holds between 2.7 and 6 milliliters. So even if I take five tubes, I'm probably only taking a tablespoon or two, okay. which you are not going to miss whatsoever. <laughs> so like when you donate blood, though, we probably do like a pint or something, right? When we yeah. donate blood. So yeah. half liter Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's a conversion. Carry the two. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then that's why they feed you orange juice and donuts and make you lay there for a minute so that. But even that's perfectly safe. And I try and tell everybody, your doctor is not going to order you to come in and have a very dangerous procedure done in a lab with completely unlicensed medical professionals. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's totally fine. Um, After I've gotten all the tubes that I need and removed the tourniquet, I'm going to place a cotton ball over the venipuncture site. At this time, I will ask you to apply pressure, and I mean it. (laughs) Press down. This is what stops bleeding inside and out. Three to five minutes is best. If you get a bruise after you've had blood drawn, it's probably because a few drops of blood leaked out of the vein after the puncture wound closed, and that's a direct result of not applying pressure. So what you're saying is it's their fault. It's not yours. A lot of the times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot okay, of the you times. You can say that. You can say yeah. that. Well, people, um, we get 
people that come see us after they've been in the hospital for a few weeks and they always complain because in a lot of hospitals, it is a nurse who draws blood. Mm -hmm. Some hospitals still do have lab technicians that are on a blood team. Nurses have a trillion things they have to learn how to do. So Mm -hmm. they might take blood from a few people a day versus I take blood from maybe 40 people a day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's going to be certain times where they miss or they don't do a real great job. But if someone is sick and they're in the hospital, their veins are probably dilated Mm -hmm. or they they're dehydrated Mm -hmm. and they're not putting pressure on that after. So someone puts a cotton ball and some tape on it, walks away and it's still bleeding and it's really just bleeding a little bit underneath the skin. So you get a nasty looking bruise, but it shouldn't hurt really because it's just from that tiny little spot, not from like banging your okay. sh- when yeah. you bang your shin off of something. Yeah. That's a different type of bruise. <laughs> it's not like a trauma. It's just mm-hmm. like a little bit of leakage. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, but of course, that's all best case scenario. Sometimes we do miss, um, which, you know, not everybody is perfect 100% of the time. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, we might need to poke you more than once, unfortunately. It's best to switch arms because if we put the tourniquet on the same arm, we're going to force a bruise out. And um, if we partially hit a vein and we try and use it again, we won't have enough pressure to get a sample. Like when you try and drink out of a straw that's got a crack in it. Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just know that we are all trying our best and we all have experience and no one is going to make it more difficult than necessary. Um, most people are cool, um, (laughs) or at least put on a brave face when they come in to get their blood drawn. But surprisingly, it's not everybody's favorite errand to run. Oh, what a surprise. You don't say. No, that's weird. Uh, sometimes called trypanophobia, the fear of needles is estimated to affect one in 10 Americans, but who really knows since those people probably avoid going to the doctor in the first place. That's true. Yeah. My sister is that way. She yeah. like hyperventilates. She has to like take a clonopin before she goes and gets her <laughs> That's blood That's really going to mess up your blood drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She gets like super freaked out even now, but you, she's always been that way. You appear to have horse tranquilizers in your system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to need another sample. Yeah. <laughs> um, patients who force themselves to bite the bullet may experience an elevated heart rate, sweating, lightheadedness, or even fainting. Uh, It's not uncommon for someone covered in tattoos and piercings to still be afraid of needles because they all claim it's different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But regardless, this reflex is completely involuntary and can be exhibited by someone that doesn't identify as a needle phobe. A lot of times if you're fasting or stressed or you're sick, this can contribute Um, And there's a variety of reasons why someone might be triggered by needles. One commonly cited reason is uh, being sick as a child, having traumatic experiences while strangers poke them repeatedly with needles. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But sometimes a patient's been lucky enough to have never been sick, and this is their first time experiencing a venipuncture, and they don't know what it's going to be like. They don't know what to expect. They're afraid it might hurt. And similar to how the fear of having a panic attack is a leading cause of panic attacks, the fear of freaking out while getting a needle is a major contributing factor to totally freaking out while getting mm-hmm. a needle. Oh my God. I just can't, I just can't look at yeah. it. Yeah. Like sure. I know it needs to happen 
if I see the needle in my skin, that's when I'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) it's just best to remember that while you do have the right to refuse or to research the tests that are being ordered by your healthcare provider, they're just trying to diagnose you with something if you're having an issue or to take a baseline measurement for the purposes of early detection. So in other words, if you present one day with acute kidney failure, your doctor is going to know that, well, you had a physical three months ago when everything was fine. So they know this is not a chronic and untreated condition that you've had for years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If having blood drawn really, really stresses you out, the best thing you can do is just listen to your phlebotomist. We'll place your arm and the chair where we are most comfortable to access your arm and get the job done. Uh, let them know that you're nervous. If you have a history of fainting, ask them if it's a possibility to lay down. Um, If you know your left arm is usually more successful, then tell them that. But if they feel more confident using your other arm, you need to trust their experience. Um, If you're you're not fasting, you can have a snack right before you have your blood work done. And always, always drink plenty of water. Water will not break your fast and it actually increases your blood volume and makes it easier to find a vein. Honestly, the whole thing takes less than a minute if you just relax and get it done. We've heard uh, that before. <laughs> <laughs> hey It's true though. No, it's really not that big of a deal. So like I said, um, if your tech tells you to straighten your arm, to adjust how you're, how you're sitting, or to make a fist, just do it. But under no circumstances are you to move. Just take a deep breath, breathe out when the needle goes in, but don't freaking move. This is going to cause them to possibly miss and poke you again or dig around inside there. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, there is a numbing product out there that you can buy from behind the counter at a pharmacy. I've never had anyone admit to using it when they've come to my lab, Um, but I think it's more commonly used for children than adults because a lot of people will tell you the pain is minimal to non-existent. Mm -hmm. It's all in your head. Mm -hmm. If you are a parent who can't handle needles or blood and you have a child that needs blood work, please have someone else who can handle it bring them in. If if you are scared, your child will be scared. If you're cool and you get them that happy meal that you promised after, they're going to grow up without that same sense of dread. And then after everything's collected, we centrifuge it, refrigerate it, pour it off, pack it up, and our handy courier picks it up and takes everything to the testing facility since not every lab has their own analyzer. A few hours later, most of your results will be automatically uploaded to the ordering doctor and they take it from there. And that's it. Wow. That's great. I I never thought about the the whole journey. No. (laughs) I didn't think about all those couriers running their asses down down the QEW. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Up to Serrano with two coolers under their hands, (laughs) running, running, sweating balls. No, um, that was... (laughs) That was... Oh my God, I know. (laughs) Very... Informative. I learned a lot wow. about blood. We do need to, you know what? Even though we were planning on <laughs> naming this the mystery topic, maybe we should put yeah. <laughs> trigger. Yeah, one. we'll yeah, tell what it yeah, is. Discussion yeah. of blood and needles and body stuff. <laughs> FYI. Wow, that Corinne. was great. That Thank was you, wonderful, splendid, splendid, <laughs> magnificent. Thank you. 
Uh, and I heard you have a quiz for us. I do. So, because I had a hard time narrowing down my topic when I first started, um, my quiz today is going to be called Cats and Matt Damon and Firefighting. These are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> Question one. A variant of the ragdoll breed of cats, this new and separate breed of which I have two, were crossbred with Persians and domestic long hairs and selected for their friendly personalities. These lovable scamps were recognized by the American Cat Fanciers Association in 1994. Question 2. Matt Damon has technically been in seven movies where his character's name is in the title of the movie, not counting The Martian or sequels. Name three of them. A few are pretty obscure, and there's even one of them that I haven't seen. Question three. Maymay, Yaya, Lola, Baba, and Mormor are all diminutive terms for whom? Question four. We all know what Backdraft is, thanks to that Kurt Russell movie from 1991, which I actually never saw because I have a Lauren-esque list of movies that I should have but never did see. I want you to tell me the difference between Backdraft, Rollover, and Flashover. Don't worry, it's a mix and match. Please match those terms to the following definitions. A. The simultaneous combustion of everything in an enclosed room when it gets so hot that everything starts to break down and release gases, which then catch on fire. B. When oxygen is introduced to an enclosed space that has already reached temperatures at which flammable gases are prone to auto-ignition. And C. When the gases in a room are superheated and catch fire while the contents of the room are not necessarily on fire yet. Question five. Catnip is a hilarious treat for your cats, and according to Pinterest, a natural insect repellent. Some people use it to make tea, which sounds really weird, especially when there are so many other drinks I try to substitute it in first since it belongs to which plant family? Question six. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has literally been smashing it out of the park since he debuted for my favorite team this season, the Toronto Blue Jays. For which Canadian baseball team did his nine-time All-Star and Hall of Fame father, Vladdy Sr., make his debut in 1996? Question 7. This question will be modeled after the Price is Right opening bid system. Without going over, tell me what percentage of firefighters in the USA are female as of 2018. Question 8. We know by now that I have two cats. Huff and Lammy. If I decided to go full-on cat lady one day and acquire a few more, what is the name for the collection of cats that I will inevitably accumulate be called? Bonus points for saying it with a Damon-esque Boston accent. Question 9. Matt Damon had a recurring role as Carol, a pilot and love interest of the main character on this absolutely hilarious but by today's standards wildly inappropriate sitcom. And question 10. What is the capital of British Columbia? Give you a moment to think about it, and we'll be right back.
Start it. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team in. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. I didn't keep you real from the jump. Living at my mama house, we'd argue every month. I was, I was trying to get it on my own. Working all night, traffic on the way home. And my uncle calling me like, where you at? I gave you the keys, so you bring it right back. I just, I just think it's funny how it goes. Now I'm on the road, half a million for a show. And we started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started, started from the bottom, now we're here. All right. All right, let's do it. Okay. Question one. A variant of the ragdoll breed of cats, this new and separate breed, of which I have two, were crossbred with Persians and domestic longhairs, selected for their friendly personalities. These lovable scamps were recognized by the American Cat Fanciers Association in 1994. Um, I only recently learned what a ragdoll cat was. Yeah, because they're like, because they like, they're beautiful. Oh, they're so pretty. Um, it's not a Scottish fold. No, because that's what Taylor Swift has. Um, and, oh, what are they called? It, they're very, like, they got great faces. It's mm. <laughs> not helping. Does it have, like, a Russian name? Like no. a Russian-esque name? No. No? I don't know. I can't, I can't think of a Abyssinian. I'm going to go with Abyssinian. Okay. Um, they are ragamuffins. Oh, ragamuffins. <laughs> All right. Well, you're going to have to show us pictures. Yes. Uh, so ragamuffins, according to the ACFA, um, they can be any color except for pointed, like where their tails and feet and ears are a oh, different like color. A, so they can oh, be any color. Like a Siamese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are bred for their personality. So their fur is really thick and velvety like a rabbit. And sometimes it grows a little bit longer around their ears and their chest, kind of like a mane, <laughs> which is what mine has. <laughs> I love them. Question two. Matt Damon has technically been in seven movies where his character name is in the title of the movie, not counting The Martian or sequels. Name three of them. A few are pretty obscure, and there's even one that I haven't seen. All right. So uh, he's Jason Bourne. So you got the Bourne identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, the Talented Mr. Ripley. Talented Mr. Yes. Ripley. There's three. Great. Great. Yes. That was the first three I had. Also, Saving Private Ryan, I thought was another oh, kind of yeah. gimme. Mm-hmm. Um, the three that are a little more obscure are the brothers Grimm. He was Wilhelm Grimm with Heath Ledger was in that movie. Um, he was in a movie called Jerry where he played Jerry and it, it was him and Casey Affleck. They were both named Jerry actually. There's only one line in the entire movie. It's kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> and the last one that I haven't seen is a cartoon. It's called Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Oh yeah. He's a horse. He and I, I don't horse. really know what to say about that. Um, oh, wow. Uh, I didn't know he was in that. Brian Adams. Brian Adams. Canadian Brian Adams. Right, of course. Did the... <laughs> I mean, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, did the the theme song for that movie. 
Oh, how about that? Yeah, and it's a beautiful song. Uh, they used to play it on Canadian radio when I was listening to it in um, middle and high school. <laughs> so there you have it. I, I have know. a copy of it somewhere on DVD with the wrapping still on it because everyone knew how into Matt Damon I was at that time in my life. But it's just the horse movie. I, didn't know <laughs> I mean, it's to... just his voice. What were they thinking? Like, you want to see him. You want to see yeah, his I just, acting. I just watched that episode of Saturday Night Live on, that I taped on VHS over oh. and over again instead. <laughs> um, when I was like, when I was a teen and uh-huh. I was cutting things out of magazines and making collages and everybody was like picking out like boy band members mm-hmm, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Devin Sawa. Yeah. And Andrew. Oh, who is that hot Andrew? Andrew with the. Oh, yeah. Oh, air. Like Seventh Heaven. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know anyway. Yeah. I was clipping out Matt Damon pictures. Oh, yeah. There you have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Question three. Meme, Yaya, Lola, Baba, and more more are all diminutive names for whom? Is this a, <sighs> is this a singular individual? No? No. Okay. Is it a, a grandma? 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 Yeah, it's grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I knew Yaya, but I was like, what? Yeah, Lolo. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's, um, Meme is French. Mm-hmm. Yaya is Greek. Lola is Filipino. Baba is Ukrainian. And Mormor is Swedish. Uh, yeah, because my grandma was Nani, which is granny in Italian. Or Nonna. I think that grandma. would be a giveaway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, this is the difficult one. I mostly included because I am studying and needed to really work out the difference for yeah. myself. So good. No, please. Okay, so yeah. the words are backdraft, flashover, and, and roll rollover. Rollover. Okay. Yes. And the definition options are are. Um, do I have to read the whole question? Okay. So uh, a simultaneous combustion of everything in an enclosed room when it gets so hot that everything breaks down and releases gases, which then catch fire. I'm going to say that's, what were you going to say? I was going to say that's a flashover. Yeah, I was going to say it's a flashover. Okay, that is flashover. Yes. 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 And then B, when oxygen is introduced into an enclosed space that has already reached temperatures at which flammable gases are prone to auto-ignition. Was that backdraft? See, I th- think I think it's backdraft because that's when the air that's rushes like in. you open the door. Yeah. Whoosh. Yes. Like okay. in the movie. Is that it? Yes. yes. That's it. <laughs> and then so see, it's pretty obvious when gases in a room are superheated and catch fire while the contents of the room are not necessarily on fire yet. Okay. So roll that's over. a rollover. That's a rollover. That's terrifying. That is yeah. terrifying. You literally see flames rolling over the ceiling. Oh. <gasps> Wow. wow. I do not like fire. Cool. <laughs> it's, it's ouchy yeah. <laughs> and scary. Yes. Question five. Catnip is a hilarious treat for your cats and according to Pinterest, a natural insect repellent. Some people use it to make tea, which sounds weird, especially when there are so many other drinks I tried to sub it in for first since it belongs to which plant family? Hmm. Plant family. I mean, hmm. so it kind of looks like a grass, right? Or am I confusing that with cat grass? <laughs> well, I think cat grass is catnip. Okay. 
Uh, no. Oh, no. Poo. Because you're, you're asking the two non-cat people in the room. <laughs> um, is catnip. It, catnip is, is it? Catnip. They make it into a tea? Maybe lemongrass? Is that a type of plant or is that just a plant? Um, what other drinks can we make? Uh, we can make mm, Diet Dr. Pepper. We could make... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's our answer. <laughs> the Diet yeah. Dr. Pepper plant. Right. Um, it's very common lemonade. in Canada. Yeah. Uh, lemonade. Basil. Oh, oh, you're on to something there. What kind of plant is a basil plant? Is it a licorice? Mm, you know what? I can't think of a single plant. I'm going to go. <laughs> is it basil? Is it in the basil family? I think basil is also in this family. Oh. Okay. What is it? Mint. Oh, oh damn. Yeah. Oh, it's in the mint family. So it's family. not yeah. a grass. I was just stuck I on know, that me image. Too. I know. Me too. So, and but if your cat is one of the one third that don't react at all to catnip, they will probably get a kick out of valerian root or silver mine, and you're welcome. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Get yourself a little, uh, a little, little of that, and have yourself a real Saturday, Saturday night party. Yeah, with your cats, with your cats, like me. <laughs> Question six. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has been literally smashing it out of the park since he debuted for my favorite team, the Toronto Blue Jays, this season. For which Canadian baseball team did his nine-time All-Star and Hall of Fame father, Vladdy Sr., make his debut in 1996? My guess would be the other Canadian baseball team, the Montreal Expos. Yes, I would agree. Yes. Yes. The Montreal Expos, or as they say, Les Expos de Montréal, uh, were founded in 1969 and were the first team to be located outside of the USA. Guerrero Sr. played there until 2003 when he signed as a free agent with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And on a probably unrelated note, the Expos were relocated to Washington, D.C. in 2004, and they are now known as the Nationals. And we learned earlier this month that the team was named after the the World's Fair, the in Montreal, yeah, in nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Two <laughs> Montreal again, Expos all Canadians. Info. I know <laughs> Canadians all knew this, but we sure did. yeah, we sure did not. Yeah, and they played at Olympic Stadium. Wow, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Question seven. This is modeled after the Price is Right opening bid system. Without going over, tell me what percentage of firefighters in the USA are female as of 2018. My guess was four. Ooh, I was, yeah, I was thinking higher than that. I'm going to say eight. Eh, eh, you're both over. <gasps> That's terrible. Wow. What is it? <laughs> guess again. Okay, okay. Two. One. Julia is closer. It's three point one percent. Wow! Which it, you're very good at this. Wow. It is up at it is up from two percent in two thousand and two, though. Well, that's good at least. Yeah. Um, the New York Fire Department, like New York City Fire Department, mm-hmm. currently has fifty eight female firefighters out of approximately ten thousand total firefighters. Oh my god! And the mayor of Los Angeles has pledged to bring the percentage of their female firefighters up to 5% by 2020. As of 2018, they were still at 3.1%, which is the national average. Uh, But don't worry about it. 
Canadians, our average is 3%, which translates to about 600 across the whole country. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> I emailed my captain to ask him how many uh, female firefighters are employed in my town. Because um, there's four girls, including myself, in my class. And he said right now there are four active female firefighters in the city. So we're going to double the amount of <laughs> wow. female firefighters when we graduate in November. That's amazing. Good for you. You're a pioneer. For better or for worse, I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Question eight. We know by now that I have two cats, Huff and Lammy. If I decide one day to go full-on cat lady and acquire a few more, what is the name for the collection of cats I will inevitably accumulate be called? Bonus points for saying it with a Damon-esque inspired Boston accent. And, and you this know is you. I know. I've been racking my brain ever since. Um, it's like it people love the, the collective now. Yeah, cuddle or no? It's like um, <laughs> it's it does start with a C, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, great. It's, uh, <laughs> great. <laughs> great. We're got one down. Um, is it a... Uh, all I can think of is clatch, but that's not it. Because it's a clatch of eggs, I think. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> a carousal. A uh, cranberry of cats um a it's gonna make me nuts because i know this i've read it like seven times clouder clouder a A clouder yes julia pulling it out of nowhere clouder yes good job just need to look at your face (laughs) me going like this oh what Yes, so it is a clouder. Uh, other acceptable answers are a clutter or a glaring or a pounce. And the collective name for kittens, which I just assumed was a litter, is a kindle. Oh, <laughs> kindle of kitties. <laughs> Question nine. Matt Damon had a reoccurring role as Carol a pilot and love interest of the main character on this absolutely hilarious, but by today's standards, wildly inappropriate sitcom. We love this. Oh, we love this. It's 30 Rock. 30 Rock. Yes. 30 Rock is so good. It is so funny. It's so funny. It is so funny. I will watch it. I'll, I'll just, as soon as it ends again, I start from season one and just watch mm-hmm. it right through again. It's just great jokes that run through the entire thing. Oh, it's so good. There was a great article a couple years ago that Vulture did that they basically calculated like the jokes per minute of so many different shows. And like 30 Rock was always like near, you know, really close to the top. The the one that had the most though was Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yeah. Most jokes per minute. Yeah, because even just like casual conversation between two characters, there's like things happening in the background or like weird words that they say and like all of this stuff just kind of accumulates, which is why unless you've seen it like 18 times in a row and can like say the line before the actor says the line, you have to pay attention while you're watching the show. You can't just like start in season three and just hope you'll catch up because there's just so much going on. Oh, such a great show. I'm going to watch it tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I just started watching it this winter from the beginning and I work at Starbucks and a lot of my coworkers are like 10 years younger than me. So I'm like, it's so funny, but like, you can't say that stuff now. And they're like, that's offensive. And I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> Grow up. 
It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. And you had to be there. Yeah, and it's not that bad. bad. <laughs> no. Shut up, fives of ten is talking. <laughs> That'll always be good. Always funny. Every so often there's like a Twitter thread. Someone's like, what's your favorite? What's the 30 Rock line that runs through your head all the time? Or like, what's the funniest 30 Rock line? And people just go absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And I always read them. I'm always like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> okay. And finally, question 10. What is the capital of British Columbia? Please, Julia. It's Victoria. That is. So famous for the 2010 Winter Olympics, an NHL franchise, Thank and you. as a popular filming location for CW Network shows, Vancouver is not the capital of British Columbia. It is, in fact, Victoria. Yeah! Because I was just like, no! Why did I say the wrong thing? It's really confusing because Victoria is on Vancouver Island while Vancouver is on the mainland. Uh, The greater Vic area hosts a population of 300 67,770, and while it is the 15th most populous metropolitan area in Canada, it is more densely populated than Toronto. It was named after Queen Victoria in 1843, making it one of the oldest cities in the Pacific Northwest. Man, she has a lot of stuff named for her. I know. I didn't want all my Canada research to go to waste. So. <laughs> yeah. That was a delight. That was great. And I can't wait to see pictures of your kids. Um, kids. So, kids. kids. It's, you know, it's the Canadian way of saying cat. Uh, Is it? <laughs> isn't it? Just agree with me. Yeah. Just agree with me. Of course. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Corinne. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Thank you for coming to America <laughs> to be <laughs> on Again, our podcast. To sit in my dining room and record this podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And she gave us um, delicious treats tarts. again. Oh. She got us peach tarts. So, um, sorry, everybody, but Corinne is currently our favorite listener. Uh, so. <laughs> high praise. <laughs> So uh, if you would like to angrily email us and tell us that, no, um, you're our favorite listener, you can email us at missinfopod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us angrily at missinfopod. Uh, You can go to our uh, Facebook page, misinformation colon a trivia podcast, or you can visit our website, www.missinfopod.com. You can stream us on our website and you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah. In America or England or Australia. Or the Philippines. Or the Philippines. Yeah. Or, again, our great neighbors to the north. Our America's hat. Jaunty and... Yeah, we love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, I won't say it anymore. It's like Just we're kidding. Canada's underpants. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's good because it, it looks like, on a map, it looks like a big pair of tidy whities Just hiked up around. That's what they call us. <laughs> Canada's underpants. From here on out, I'm going to be like, coming to you live from Canada's underpants. It's Lauren and Julia with misinformation. (laughs) (laughs) All right, done. It's canon now. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, guys. Yeah, thank you, Corinne. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.